0: Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour, and later we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on The Wittenberg Door. Good Friday morning, everyone. This is Pastor Brett Cornese with Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and you're listening to The Wittenberg Door. The Wittenberg Door is a call-in program, and if you'd like to participate in the program today, the number is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. As we uh, go through the program, if at any time something uh, sparks a question or you think you may have a contribution to, to add to the conversation, we do invite you to, to be part of it. Um, how are you doing? I'm Uh, doing very very well uh, Friday, we're we're heading toward the end of the week Yeah, uh, you feel like you're accomplishing something, don't you? Uh, Absolutely Yeah, (laughs) okay Well, folks, uh, we've been going through the Ten Commandments for the last few weeks and uh, this week, oh, we have a caller? Let's give it a try. All right. Hey, you're live on WWGH Radio, go ahead Um, Yeah,
1: I have a question and it's pretty simple How come God lets
0: bad things happen to good people? That's a great question. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Let me, uh, let me try. Did she hang up? She hung up, okay. yeah. Right. She got it out there, though. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Uh, I think there are some assumptions in the question itself. Um, for instance, how do we define good people? What is a good person? Now, uh, in a in a civil sense, we might say a good person is someone who doesn't hurt other people. They they get along with people. They maybe uh, help other people, and um, and they're useful to society. Uh, or we might say, uh, for instance, a child who doesn't really bring harm to anybody brings a lot of joy to people. Children bring joy to people, and when a child gets sick or a child gets injured, it's a It's a great tragedy to us, and uh, so you know we look at these kind of things that happen. We look at the child in the wheelchair, and uh, you know we we wonder how how can this happen when we have a God of love, right? (laughs) So, in a civil sense, people can be good and people can be useful to society, but when we examine uh, how we all stand before God. one of the things that we learn in Scripture, is, and as we're going through the Ten Commandments, you kind of see this how, the last few broadcasts as we've gone through the Ten Commandments, um, that really that's the standard or measure by which we call good, good. Do people uh, love God with all their heart? Do they love their neighbor as their selves? And uh, when we examine ourselves according to the Ten Commandments, what we find is there's a deficit in our goodness, right? That there's, a, there's something that's revealed before God. Uh, and what the, the conclusion that St. Paul comes to in, in Romans is he says, there is none good, not even one. So before men, before others, before each other, uh, there is such a thing as a good person. But before God, there is none good, not even one. Now, when we ask the question, "Why let uh, bad things happen to good people?" then uh, let's let's kind of think of it in in that context. That uh, before God, all are sinners, and before God, all all are corrupt. Uh, this happened to us from the very beginning, and we've all heard the story of Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, when they uh, disobeyed God in the in the perfect paradise that He had created for them, when they uh, disregarded His word, and in, in desire for something else, something more than what God had given them, they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they ate. And when they did that, they brought sin and death and deformity and evil. They brought evil into the world. Uh, and all of us, as their fallen children, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they ruined not only themselves, but they ruined all of their posterity. All of us are born in sin. All of us are born sinners. And so um, uh, this is the reason uh, why death occurs. Uh, this is the reason why there's disease in the world. This is the reason why you see people being inhumane to other people. Because we all have this fallen nature. We all have this nature that's curved in on ourselves. So, uh, so the question is, again, going back to the original question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? I would say, first of all, there's none good, not even one, as St. Paul says. And because of that, bad things do happen. It's part of, uh, part of God's judgment in the world. Uh, now... This question of evil, this is a a wonderful question because everyone struggles with this question of evil. Why does evil happen? Why does evil exist when there's a good God? And you ask yourself then, can God be good if he allows evil to exist? If he allows evil to go on? And in what sense can God be good? And I would answer the question by saying that God rescued us from the evil that happens in the world and promises us uh, a return to the goodness that we desire when he sends his son Jesus Christ into the world. That son who was perfect. He was really the only one who was good. He was born of a virgin. He had no inherited sin. He uh, lived the perfect life at his baptism. God declared of Jesus, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet, this one who was perfectly good was taken, was falsely accused, was arrested, was uh, unjustly tried and condemned. He was uh, nailed to the cross. He endured uh, beatings and mockings. They spit upon him. They did all kinds of evil to him. And when they did it to him, they did it to someone who was God in the flesh. So God isn't, um, God isn't distant from the evil that happens in the world. God himself gets right down into the evil. God allow, it, because of the sin that came into the world, God, who is good, allowed evil to happen to him. And the reason that he let this evil of the cross and death happen to him is so that he could save us from sin and death and all of sin's consequences. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that helps you or not. Uh, a lot of times that answer is not very satisfactory. Uh, but I think it's true. And I think it has the advantage of uh, uh, kind of helping this Put things in context in the world and understanding uh, that uh, here's one thing I I do want to caution about. Uh, When we say that somebody's a sinner and that someone's born in sin, and uh, so for instance, uh, someone who develops cancer, a good person who develops cancer, it sounds sometimes that explanation sounds a little bit like you're you're blaming them for the cancer right or that they they have gotten cancer or they've gotten some disease or they're dying uh, for some specific reason something that they've specifically done and, uh, and that's not at all the case uh, evil occurs in the world because sin has entered into the world and this is what God warned mankind about in the garden and uh, this is why he, uh, put the commandment about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, made mankind aware of it. And it's that, uh, uh, disobedience to God that, that brought about all this misery that we see in the world. So hopefully that's uh hopefully that's an explanation that helps you, uh, if you, uh, if you have a follow-up question, or if anybody else has a follow-up question that to that uh, question, I'd be happy to to entertain and take those take those questions. Lee, how are you today?
1: Good morning, fine, thank you. Good, all
0: right. Uh, so, uh, going on to uh, our. Uh, program topic today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna begin now with the fifth commandment. We've been through uh, f- four commandments. We've been through the first table of the law, which talks about our duty to God. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We started last week the second table of the law, which is our duty to our neighbor. And we talked about how important parents and other authorities are. And how we're to honor them and serve and obey them and love and cherish them. Honor your father and your mother, the commandment says. Now today we're going to talk about uh, life itself. And uh, uh, the fifth commandment, which which says, you shall not murder. Now, what does it mean to murder? What is murder? We think about it. Uh, You know, a lot of times this commandment is translated as "You shall not kill." There is distinction between killing and murdering, right? Lee, what would you say the distinction is between killing and murdering?
1: Well, killing would be uh, uh, bringing about the death of someone without malice. Uh, You know, for for example, in war, yeah, uh, a bomb goes off and and uh you know that kills kills somebody yeah. that's, that's stated to be the enemy right and uh that's not an individual act of hatred or uh, it's not an unjust taking of life right yeah uh um, in, in,
0: in some cases yeah
1: yeah uh w- whereas murder is uh is malicious and in intent yeah and uh they, they the the old testament refers to the manslayer yeah. and uh makes a distinction between the the accidental you know someone's working and right and uh, uh something malfunctions and you know, or or uh, someone gets in the way and there's nothing you can do to stop it yeah you know traffic accident things yeah. like that that's killing whereas murder is is intentionally plotting and or Ceasing to prevent allowing someone to be killed. Yeah. Uh,
0: Would you say that uh, someone who has the intent to kill is there any is it is there any time ever when someone can kill another person and do it in a just way?
1: Well, yeah. The Bible says to if uh, uh, someone kills a man that that yeah. person is justly killed. That's why that the, the, the revenger of blood yeah. uh, would come and, and uh, would, would kill the manslayer.
0: Right, right. Well, yeah, there's, there's a, a just taking of life and there's an unjust taking of life. And one of the, re, one of the uh, ways that we define a just taking of life is when um, someone in authority someone who holds a, a position, a governmental position, we would say today, a governor or a king or a, a president, for instance, uh, when they take life in uh, punishment of uh, uh, a capital crime, then that's not murder. That's not something that God forbids. Uh, we see this in Genesis chapter 9, when after, before the flood, before Noah's flood, uh, the world was filled with violence. And, and it seems that there was no punishment for murder. Uh, Cain murders his brother Abel, and Cain is allowed to live. Cain is allowed to, to be exiled to wherever he goes, east of Eden. And um, uh, nothing seems to happen to him. And we see several chapters down in Genesis where uh, Lamech, who's a descendant of Cain, um, somebody harms him and he kills them. And nothing seems to happen to Lamech. Uh, And the world becomes this violent place. And so then after Noah's flood, when uh, Noah comes off the ark, God says to Noah, if any man sheds blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And it's at that moment where God sets up the institution of human government. Uh, human government, that is, to uh, keep order in society and to prevent uh, uh, criminal activity, uh, to, to, to kind of keep a lid on man, man's um, instincts of violence and uh, man's selfish instincts, so you declare the things that are against the law. Uh, so we have that in Genesis chapter 9. We have it also in the New Testament when, uh, in Romans chapter 13, uh, in Romans, it's a, it kind of an interesting thing. In Romans chapter 12, you have the Apostle Paul telling us Christians, he says, uh, uh, brothers, don't don't commit your own vengeance. He said, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And for it is written, I will repay, says the Lord. And uh, so he, he tells us private Christians To swear off vengeance. And yet, in the very next chapter, the very few, three verses down, he begins to talk about the role of human government. And he says that human government, God has put a sword into the hands of human government uh, for the express purpose of capital punishment. So that when a government, in punishment of a crime, takes a life, that's not murder, that is killing. But it's not murder, uh, because they have the authority. They have the 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 ruler has the office of vengeance, and he is a he is an instrument of God's vengeance.
1: We we see that at the crucifixion too, where where Christ is on the cross, and there are the two malefactors. Yes, yeah. And uh, the one on Jesus's right leans over and says to the one on Jesus's left uh, that we're getting this justly yeah but the man here in the middle hasn't done anything yeah this is what we deserve the yeah. penitent thief yeah yeah it was it was a, in their in their case it was a just death
0: yeah that's right
1: and uh and even the person being executed realized that
0: yeah and is the the example that you gave uh, a few moments ago about uh, somebody at war you know well when do you go to war well you go to the war when your when your government calls you to go to war uh with and and of course, uh, throughout christian society there have been these rules for a just war they haven't always been obeyed but augustine in the fourth century lays down these uh, biblical principles for when a war is just and when a a christian soldier for instance can participate in war Uh, so uh so mur- there's a distinction between murder and killing, and what Moses, what the what the commandment is teaching us is, you shall not kill, or you shall not. Mur- I'm sorry, you shall not murder. So murder is the unjust taking of life. It's a private person when they decide that they're going to take a life either in vengeance or or for some other purpose, uh, and and they do it when it's when it's not their office, or when they do it in a in a in a Uh, wanting to bring evil to someone, yeah. wanting to get somebody out of the way. There's also
1: in in Proverbs, uh, if if you lack or if you fail to intercede on behalf of someone or if you uh, uh, don't put safety measures around your roof, for example, uh if someone falls off your roof, you're responsible for that. Yeah. And here in in Proverbs it says, uh, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, when people think about uh, murder and what it is, yeah, it does encompass a lot more than just the, the physical act of killing that there is, um, uh, when Luther explains the commandment, he says, you shall, not, you shall not murder. He says, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. In other words, uh, when God comes to Cain, after Cain has killed Abel, he says, where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Right? Uh, well, what God says is, yes, you are your brother's keeper, which is why, you know, in, in ancient Israel they had these laws about a parapet on a roof, and because you're to look out for the life of your neighbor, you're not to to uh, uh, invite his death uh, by your inattention. Uh, so, so here we go. This is uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount uh, goes to this commandment. And he says here in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go to, um, let me see here, verse 21. Here Jesus says, You have heard it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, uh, excuse me, lost my place here. Uh, whoever says to his brother, Raka, uh, which is an insult, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that th- thy brother hath ought against has something against thee, leave thy gift, I'm literally reading the King James for some reason, <laughs> leave your gift before the altar and go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So when Christ explains this commandment, he's not just talking about the physical act of murder, but he's talking about something that's going on within our own heart, right? In other words, it's not just the fact that you may strike your neighbor, but it's the fact that you hate your neighbor. It's the hatred that's in your heart that makes you already guilty. Just as he he will, uh, when he explains adultery, he says, uh, you shall not commit adultery. He says, but I say to you, whoever looks on a woman with lust in, her, in his heart has already committed adultery. In other words, it's the activities of the, of the soul that's happening before the act is ever
1: committed. Yeah, it's that, that adrenaline rush you get when somebody pulls in in front of you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you would like to see that person. <laughs> Go off the side of the Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You want to see them get theirs
0: yeah yeah and even even if it you know even if it's not uh you know I want to see that person wreck, but you just you 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 want to uh get you want to pull up beside them. And, oh yeah and let them know what you think it's, right uh, it, yeah yeah uh yeah, there's there's always this there's this desire in our heart to really play God in a sense to be our own judge jury and executioner uh to be our neighbors judge jury and executioner when our neighbor injures us right and uh and that's that's what paul is talking about in romans chapter 12 when he says uh, you know don't take your own vengeance but leave room for the wrath of god if your enemy is hungry feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink for in doing so you will pour burning coals on his head he says uh uh, whatever that means, uh, some have interpreted that to be uh, coals of shame. In other words, uh, the person becomes ashamed of themselves when they see your your good acts or your good deeds. Uh, but it, but it, it penetrates much farther than just uh, do I take do I actually physically take that person's life. In other words, what is my attitude toward them? And your attitude to uh, the words that you bring to your neighbor. Uh, you know oftentimes when we're angry at someone what do we do if we don't physically touch them we oftentimes uh, tear them down with our words right and and we say you've heard it said there's <laughs> uh the old formula here uh sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me well that's not true words do hurt Words do injure, and this is the reason we use the words. We use our words to tear other people down, to to make them miserable. This is what, uh, you know, uh, bullying is all about. You know, uh, bullying doesn't have to be physical. A lot of times, bullying is mental. It's uh, it's what people do to each other with their words, and, uh, and we've had some very sad examples of this in the news. In occasionally you'll find some teenager who's because because he's been or she has been uh, verbally abused and threatened or you know maybe not even touched but just uh um, demeaned in some way and they'll commit some horrible act they'll they'll commit suicide or something uh because they don't know what else to do they their life has been made so miserable by the other person's words and <coughs> If that's not murder, what is? And what is the intent? What is the malicious intent of our words? So this this commandment is broken in in indeed, when we actually do harm to the neighbor, whether we actually kill them or not, by the way. Uh, Giving somebody a good beating, pounding somebody with your fist is doing harm to your neighbor, right? Uh, Or... uh, again, tearing somebody down with your words, or even if you don't ever express those words and you don't ever uh, stretch out your hand to hurt another person, but you carry around this hate in your heart for that other person, this malice for that other person, this wishing that, like you said before, they would get theirs. That itself is considered by God uh, an act of murder, and this is why, folks. By the way, hey, the the first que- the question that we were asked today, and it was a wonderful question. Why does bad things happen to good people? This is why. Really, who doesn't, at some point in their lives, feel hate toward another person, uh, become upset with, and maybe uh, maybe your hatred for another person. Was motivated by a just concern. For instance, you hear uh, you hear somebody uh, speaking badly of another, um, or or uh, you know you uh, run across some uh, racist article where someone is is demeaning somebody else because of their race or their religion, and uh, being hateful in that sense. And w- what does that do internally to us? It stirs up our own feelings of hate, right? It's like a hate is like a kind of a, a a cancer that spreads, and it just doesn't affect the the person who hates initially. And it, uh, other people join in this hate, either in the hate that 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 person is expressing, or hatred toward that expression of hate, and uh, and it's no good. It's all evil, and every one of us has these instincts every one of us uh, if we're honest with ourselves in this sense of the word in this sense of the meaning of the commandment has committed murder and that means every one of us is guilty we are all we all find ourselves guilty before god in the commandment you shall not murder and if we are guilty of murder what is it that we deserve well, we deserve death and hell and God's wrath. Murderers deserve wrath. You know, when we hear about somebody killing another person, uh, who, what was it just in the news, uh, the man that was just convicted of killing his girlfriend and, and her two children? You know, you hear about that and, and you think to yourself, boy, does this guy got it coming. Does this guy deserve punishment? And yet, before God, every one of us deserves the same punishment. But, my friends, that punishment was taken by Jesus Christ. Amen. When he came into the world, the one who was really good and endured the suffering and wrath of God in our place, Uh, here he is on the cross between two murderers, one of whom is acknowledging the fact that he is dying, as you pointed out, Lee, that he is dying justly. And, uh, and the- these were just sentences. And here is Jesus taking on this just sentence. You know, uh, there were three crosses that day. The two thieves and Christ in the middle. Uh, but there was another thief. Who was uh, scheduled to be on that third cross in the place before Christ took his place? Uh, a, a thief named Barabbas, and
1: actually a murderer.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. Oftentimes, uh, uh, thief in the in the New Testament means kind of a, a robber and uh, someone who is not just robbing, but uh, uh, you know, beating people to death and taking their. So it's uh, yeah, uh, it, it, there's more to it than just he stole something. Uh, he, he, took,
1: he took part in an insurrection. Yeah, so he was, was
0: guilty of a capital crime. And, and even insurrection is oftentimes was used for robbers. It's somebody who is, who is acting against the law. Uh, at any rate, so here's Barabbas, who actually deserves this sentence. Until uh, Pilate, condem- the Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, uh, condemns Jesus in his place. And the uh, authorities, the Jewish authorities, asked for Barabbas to be freed instead of because there was a custom that Pilate would release one of the prisoners. They asked for Barabbas to be freed in the, in the place of Christ and for Christ to go to the cross and be crucified. And uh, this is what happened. So this Barabbas, who actually should have been the third person on the cross, goes free, and Christ goes to the cross and is split. The murderer goes free and the one who is innocent goes and suffers the, the punishment for murder. And uh, and this is what Christ has done, not just for Barabbas, but for each one of us. He has taken our place and suffered the just penalty for sin on the cross for us so that we can be free. And, uh, you know, why does why does God let good things happen to bad people? What a great question, by the way. The, the real question is, why does God let good things happen to bad people? Why does, why does God uh, let us, why does God promise us life and eternal peace and joy in his presence when we really don't deserve it? And the answer is because God loves us and God wants us to be uh, content in him. Amen? Amen. All right. So I guess we have some uh, lessons for the upcoming Sunday. This this coming Sunday is what is called in Latin it's called Laetare Sunday. It is a, a, a the one Sunday in, in the season of Lent where we rejoice. And uh, so the lessons this Sunday, uh, where do they come from, Lee?
1: Well, we have uh, Exodus 16 and Galatians 4 and uh, John 6. Okay. So uh, let's, let's start with the Exodus lesson. All right, uh, Exodus 16, verses 2 through 21 from the ESV. And the whole congregation of, pe- of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day they will prepare what they bring in. It will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know with the Lord that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you the evening meat to eat and the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather of it each of you as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, everyone who gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered a little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of this until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Okay, so uh, this is, uh, if you're not familiar with the the, uh, Bible and and this story, this is really kind of one of the key, uh, it's a central story in the Old Testament. This is God taking care of his people. And this occurs just after uh, Moses has gone down to Egypt and and God has plagued the nation of Egypt with the ten plagues. finally forcing pharaoh to release uh, the nation of israel they go out in freedom they cross the red sea as on dry land and they find themselves in the wilderness of sinai or wilderness of sin is the way they uh, is put it as a kind of a shortening of the word sinai we today we call sinai but they're on the sinai peninsula and uh, of course uh in many places in the in the uh, Middle East, uh, b- very barren desert places, and the wilderness of uh, Sinai is no exception. It is uh, it's not a, it's not a place of abundance. And can you imagine a mil- a, 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 more than a million people that have come out of Egypt and they find themselves in a desolate place? How do you feed people like this, right? Uh, By the way, this, in every military campaign, this is the first thing the general thinks about. Because as Napoleon said, an army marches on its stomach, right? And you won't have an army very long if you're not feeding your soldiers. In the same way, Moses here, people might think this guy is a terrible general. This guy's a terrible leader. Uh, Because how are we going to feed all these people? where's the vegetation where's the where's the vegetables where's the rice and it's not there and so uh the people complain and they it it's it's uh revealing that they complain first about moses and they say about moses you have brought us out into this desert to kill us with hunger right uh what they really want to say and moses uh acknowledges this at the end, is you're not complaining against us, you're complaining against God. What they really want to say is, it's God's fault. And as they are uh, accusing God, in a sense, of not taking care of them, what does God do? God provides them. In a place where they are not going to get bread, God provides them with this new kind of bread, uh, what they will refer to now as bread from heaven, because it will it will kind of uh, uh, accumulate through the through the night. It will accumulate on the ground, uh, and it will be kind of this uh, frost like thing that when the when the uh, sun comes up, they go out, they gather it, and it's. Uh, 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 well it's described as kind of a like a flake like thing they don't know what it is and this is where the word manna comes from but but it's uh, it's bread and God is feeding them God is blessing them in this desert life in this in this uh, life that we live, we are always relying on the goodness of God to provide us with the things that we need and time we're our our hunger is satisfied. It is by the blessing of God. That's why Christians have this custom. And other other religions do too. Uh, it, uh, but there's this custom of doing what when you are about to receive a meal? Give thanks. Yeah, you give thanks. You uh, and, and it's an acknowledgement that, that God is the source, God is the one providing. Just as he does here for this this ungrateful nation, that he is delivered from slavery. And as soon as they're delivered from slavery, they're complaining, they're grumbling. And yet God doesn't doesn't forsake them. Just as folks, when in our sin, we often uh, complain about our lot in life, uh, what a wonderful thing that God doesn't forsake us. That God sees our sin, that he loves us in spite of it, and he provides for us and blesses us. Just as he did for the Israelites here. Now there is a... Uh, There is a a greater reason for this giving of bread in the desert that we we don't really learn about until the New Testament. And it is Jesus himself who, hearkening back to God feeding his people with bread in the desert, will later say of himself, I am the bread from heaven. Uh, If anyone eats my flesh and drinks my blood... He has eternal life, and uh, you know, uh, uh, He is he, he, Jesus is is offering Himself as that sustenance that we need to survive and to be blessed by God. Uh, so, let's go to the gospel lesson, and and what occurs in the gospel lesson occurs just before what is called Jesus's uh, bread of life discourse. But let's uh,
1: let's read the gospel lesson for this Sunday. All right. Uh, This is from John 6, verses 1 through 15, once again the ESV. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough to give each one a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to, to, to those who were seated, also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the left fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left of those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay. And this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to
0: God. So here again, you have uh, people in the desert, people in this deserted place. Uh, now they're coming to listen to Christ. They're coming to be helped by Christ. Uh, it, those who have dis- various diseases and, and aff- affirmities, uh, 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 they are uh, They're coming to be healed by Christ, to be freed by Christ from their affirmity. And uh, as they are, they discover that they are in a place where they're they're not really going to have anything to eat, and the disciples want to send them away so that they'll all they'll all go find something. And Jesus tells them, "You're going to feed them." And uh, uh, you know, well, they don't have the resources to do it until Jesus takes the the uh, the bread and the and the fish, and he uh, gives thanks. Uh, by the way, uh, the Greek word there is Eucharisto, which uh, which reminds us of the Eucharist, reminds us of the Lord's Supper, the bread that Jesus gives, and he begin it begins to multiply, and he begins to give it to these to these people who have come over five thousand well, men, plus women and children. So a multitude of people are fed by the uh, provision that god gives through christ and uh and the people recognize this right away uh, they see jesus now as kind of a the leader the the moses of his of their generation and uh, and, and what they say is this is the prophet who has come into the world and that's a they're they're talking about a specific prophet. They're not talking about this. Here's Moses. He's another. Jeremiah. He's another. Ezekiel. He's another. Isaiah. No, uh, Moses had said that God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. To him you shall listen. All right. In other words, they said this is the one that Moses said would come into the world. This is the one that Moses said would come and lead us. Christ here, and uh, of course he was. But he doesn't come to be an earthly ruler, by the way, right? Uh, uh, we find this happening often in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus eschew- eschews uh, politics, right? He, uh, he, has no- he has nothing to do with earthly kingdoms. He doesn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. And he's not, com- he's not going to allow them now to take him... And make him an earthly king. Make him, what Luther will say, make him a bread king. You know, somebody who merely provides, uh, you know, our our daily needs for us. Uh, Although it is goodness he does provide for us. But it's much more, right? So later, Jesus says to his hearers, he says, "You, You seek me because you ate the loaves and were full. Don't seek for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you right now as he's as he's uh, going through this discourse with them oh boy oh boy see this is what i mean I understand. Here with listen folks uh jesus is the bread of life and uh and he comes to satisfy the needs that we have he gives us forgiveness life and salvation and he uh, he blesses us with himself and that's really the point of the, the gospel lesson. Now, uh, this program will re-air on Sunday morning at 9.13 and Wednesday evening at 7.13. If you missed part of the program and you'd like to listen to it, you can uh, call in. Then we'll be back again live next Friday at 11.13. Uh, we want to also remind you, if you don't have a church home, Gethsemane Lutheran Church meets on Saturday afternoons at 4.30 and Sunday mornings at 10.30 in the morning. Uh... We're at 219 East Church Street. And if you don't have a church home, we'd like to have you come and join us uh, for worship. I'm Pastor Brett Cordeas. Thank you, Lee Hall, for, for being with me again. Scott, thank you for uh, manning the controls. We'll see you again next Friday.
1: Have all the uh, dots come.